welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning. How's everybody doing? It's Jessica. This is episode 176 of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I am so glad you are here. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have an incredible episode for you that will offer you a lot of tangible takeaways to implement in your parenting today. Today I'm speaking with Ralphie Jacobs of Simply On Purpose. She's a mom to four little girls and she is amazing. Following her on Instagram has seriously been life-changing. It's not a fluffy account. She really takes the time to Insta-story meaningful content every single day, well almost every single day, with tangible practical parenting tips from sibling rivalry to mom guilt to diffusing tantrums. She's incredible. She's so intuitive. She is doing an amazing job as a mom herself, and now she's empowering other moms to really enjoy their role more by giving them tools in order to be successful. We all need that help. And so today, we're not only going to talk about those tools that she can give to us, but about her own motherhood journey and how she came to this place of being really intentional about her motherhood. She is incredible, and I know you're going to love getting to know Ralphie today. So let's get to it with Ralphie Jacobs. All right, I want to welcome Ralphie to the show. Hey, Ralphie. Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm wonderful. How are you today? I'm so great. Where am I speaking to you from today? I'm in Austin, Texas. Awesome. Great land of Texas. Well, yes. my grandparents went to University of Texas in Austin, and so my second son's name is Austin, and they are just convinced it's because that's where they fell in love, and that's why <laughs> that's how we picked the name. And I just say, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good story, Mom. You but stick with that. what a great place, though. That is just wonderful. Well, I am just thrilled to be chatting because you are one of my favorite motherhood go-tos lately on social media. I have learned so so much for you. So I can't wait to hear how you know all you know, Ralphie. Like, how do you even know oh. these things? <laughs> oh. Well, me too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for, for some, being intuitive about motherhood and being intuitive about understanding how our children think, it really gives us a leg up on our ability to mother well. And it really boils down to thinking how our children think. Don't you think? <laughs> Oh, definitely. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Figuring out how those little brains work and what makes them tick and how to guide them to behave in the way that we want them to behave in a gentle way. It's really important to figure out how their brains work. Yeah. One of my other favorite parenting experts, Dr. Laura Markham, she told me, our kids aren't trying to ruin our lives. They're not trying to be little boogers, you know? And so if we can just realize they're trying to tell us something through their tantrums, they're trying to tell us something through their obstinance, then we can get to the root of it and and address that. And we don't have to feel defeated or frustrated or erupt in a rage because of their behavior. Yes, absolutely. Um, One of the biggest roles that we have is to be the teacher and to mm. be a patient teacher. And I think uh, we forget that children are born with innocent minds. They don't have that level of reality that we do. They don't understand the world around them. And to always remember that, that 
it's our role to patiently teach them and to um, really figure out what they need to learn yeah. in order to get them going the way that we want them to go. I love that. Well, will you just give people that aren't familiar with you a little background on yourself, Ralphie? Yes, sure, I will. Um, let me tell you a little bit of the story of the beginning of me mm-hmm. and of Simply on Purpose. Um, I grew up in a unique set of circumstances. I come from a large family of six brothers and two sisters, and I'm the oldest I'm the oldest girl. Really? Okay. So, yeah. It that was explains very, some of it. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of practice from very young to be around kids, and it was really loud and chaotic and constant flow of people in and out everywhere. But with all that going on, my mom was still able to get a PhD in child psychology and a master's in special education. And my father was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was five, and he's been in a wheelchair since I was about 10. So because of that combination of elements throughout my childhood and into my schooling years, actually, I've always had a passion for families Mm -hmm. and a great respect for struggle. So it's... um, that it's that struggles real and that it's okay because it refines us and makes something more of us and I've had the opportunity to learn through struggle many times to walk through it but to be thankful because of what it's teaching me and what it's teaching my family so um, through that I decided to get um, my degree in early childhood education and I have this really great passion that all children matter so I spent lots of years teaching school, teaching um, children, creating curriculum for children's organizations, and I finally realized just about a couple of years ago that the best way to impact a child's life for good is to teach the parents, because the parents um, are the real teachers mm-hmm. of their children. So I had this life kind of life-changing idea about a year ago that if there are secrets and principles to parenting that it really makes sense that everyday parents should be able to do them and that the answers weren't just meant for those scholars, for the people that, you know, have the heavy lingo and that there's just so many confusing concepts and different ideas coming at you every way. But in fact, it's those answers were meant for you. They were meant for me. They're meant for all of us who are in those trenches every day and that raising children in a loving home, though it's incredibly challenging, it's really meant to be something that every mother and every father should have the ability to do. So that was the beginning of Simply On Purpose. Amazing. Before we go more into your motherhood journey, I'd like to talk about your mom and what you saw modeled with your dad being diagnosed and then wheelchair bound so early on in your childhood. What did you see from her in terms of how she handled that challenge? Because that had to be very, very difficult to do a lot of the the physicalness of the parenting on her own. And that must have been really heart-wrenching for her to deal with, but she had to keep going. What did you see from her? Yeah, you know, I think from my mom, I have learned that the focus is always to be a future-minded parent Mm. and to teach your child skills so that they have the ability to... Um, just kind of have wide shoulders to brace a lot of impact. And um, she really strengthened me in that way, that she really taught me that I, she just empowered me all the time. Like, Mm. you can do it. 
kind of a thing. And so I'm really grateful for her because that was just kind of her philosophy was that I was brave, that I was strong, that I could do it. And um, I was able to learn so many things because I jumped in with that kind of attitude. Hey, I'm going to give it a try type Mm. of a thing. And so watching her be able to shoulder so many burdens and, um, and that they were blessings for in her mind, that many of them were blessings. Um, and to see her do it in a successful way that, and for her to power through and, and to guide our family through all of that, it, um, was really empowering for me and taught me many life lessons that I could do the same thing and given me perspective as well with my dad and, um, how well he, how well, like, he's just the most positive person. You just want to cry because he's just so sweet and just so angelic, but um, really teaching me so much perspective. And um, I remember one day, like, getting up to go walk over and, and get something for him, and he said, was that hard to do? And I was like, Dad! Like, I thought he was being sarcastic. <laughs> like, was that hard? But he was really he was just so fascinated in that moment by my ability to just stand up and walk Mm. and to get, get, get over to the across the room and just him constantly teaching me that I'm so lucky that I'm able to do so many things and that I have such great capacity to do good with my life. Um, even if our lives, um, are diminished in a way that we all have such great capacity to do good. Oh, that gives me chills. That is that is the secret to a happy life, right? No matter what gets thrown your way, being able to have that perspective or seek after that perspective. That's yeah. huge. That yeah, is, huge. is huge. Amazing. And so as you approached motherhood with so much experience already under your belt from your siblings and having a wonderful mother and father, was motherhood what you thought it would be when you had your first child? No, I, well, for a little while it was. <laughs> They're just so fun, and I, oh, I wanted to be a mommy so bad, and so I was elated with it all until about a year and a half old. <laughs> like, oh, my skills aren't what I thought they would be, and I say this all the time with parenting. It's really the greatest opportunity for growth that we have in our lifetime, hmm. and I know that to be true because being a mother is where I can find myself at my highest highs and my lowest lows for real. Yes. Um, I quickly realized that I needed far more skills than I had. Disciplining your own children, it's completely different ball game because my future happiness was her future happiness and her success was my success. I was just so wrapped up in everything about her. So I struggled because I lacked skills and it was really bothering me. I wanted to be better. So I decided to learn how to be a parent. This kind of um, mind switch over from I should know this already to I haven't learned it yet. And so I just like learning how to be a teacher, learning how to be a vocalist, learning how to make meals for your family. I dug my heels in and became a student of parenting in my own little university at my house. And it still looks like a lot of mistakes today, but... I recognize them now, and I'm grateful for them because I am deliberately practicing. Well, yeah. And looking back and seeing, oh, how how did that go well, and how could I make things better? And I think about that process, and um, and I'm grateful for the progress that I've made so far. 
I love that. And every other profession, there's a training period, right? Like we, you don't automatically know how to be a teacher. You don't automatically jump into doing brain surgery. There's a lot that goes into preparing for that. And I think for motherhood, there's just not that ramp up. You can think about it. You can practice with other people's kids, but it's not the same until that human being is depending upon solely you 24 hours a day. And we don't give ourselves grace in that, that we're going to mess up or we're going to learn the hard way sometimes, or it's going to just be hard sometimes. Some things are never going to get easier with it, but that's okay. Like that's just part of the job. It doesn't mean you're doing a bad job. It doesn't mean you're not doing your best. And so we need to give ourselves grace in that, and that will help us to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. I always say that I'm good at trying. I, mm. Perfection is it's um it's a lifetime it's a lifetime goal, but we're never going to make it, right? Right, right. But we're always trying, and that's the that's the point is to just keep giving it a go, keep trying, and be willing to open your mind to new ideas, to new to be willing to spend time doing something that you care so much about and learn about it, learn how to do it. I mean, we're never expected to know how to drive. We don't stick, you know, a five-year-old in front of a wheel and say, off you go. Sometimes I think that's with parenting is we're, we're just expected to know how to drive without having any kind of training. And, um, and we are so hard on ourselves for it. And we need to let go of that and to, and to be willing to just learn a little bit and practice things on purpose. Sure. And every child is so different. But what I love about your approach is that these basic principles are, are really applicable across the board to all personality types, all ages, really. Um, and sure, everyone is going to implement them in their own way, according to their own style, their own circumstances. But these basic principles of just seeking to understand your child more and to monitor your own behavior better, that that's the root of it. And so that's why I'm really excited to chat more. I mean, you have four daughters now. When did it really click um, that it's not about, you know, doing everything perfectly according to your own plans? And it's really just about understanding them better. Um. You know, it's been fairly recently. I would say in the last couple of years have mm. I really started to figure that out. And bless my oldest daughter for being so patient <laughs> with me. But I, um, it has been made the world of difference. And like you said, just those basic principles, um, regardless of the ingredients in your home, they make a profound positive impact mm. because brains work in a way that they are much better reinforced through positive reinforcement, through looking for the good, and um, that we have such a great power as parents to create an environment where we're fostering that, Mm. where we are encouraging goodness in our homes. And so, um, yeah, it it took far too long for me. And so that is my goal is to teach, my demographic is, 25 years to 35 years old so these are young families that are listening to me Mm -hmm. and um that's my goal is to put it into their hands and to give them ideas far well in advance of myself (laughs) yeah I think that is really powerful but what's also powerful is that this took you years into your own parenting to really have it click as well and so it's also never too late sure you want to target the younger moms earlier on but it's also never too late. If you have a strained relationship, if you have a situation in your home, you're not sure how to deal with it, 
there's time. There's time to figure this out and, and course correct and make it right. Right? Yes. Children are so resilient. They're so forgiving. They move forward so quickly. And um, yeah, they just have seen it with my own kids. They, they don't remember Mm-hmm. all of the junk mm-hmm. we remember it but they don't and thank heavens for that I really think that that's a blessing um they they move forward far better than we do we drag ourselves down we have baggage mm-hmm. but they they have such a freedom and innocence about them that they forgive right absolutely and so what are the basic principles of your parenting philosophy that you've really found also effective as you've shared it with others mm, that's a really good question So the biggest realization for me as a parent was that I couldn't control my child. I can't, no No. matter how hard, because (laughs) they can only change themselves. I can't change them. Mm -hmm. But I can change me. I can control myself. And so that's the basic idea in a nutshell, is that if we can control our own behavior as parents, and we can work on creating a positive and loving environment in our home, by modeling happiness and looking for the good in everyone and fostering work ethic and growth mindset that our children, they will learn to control themselves. They will be able to make those choices on their own. And so it's, it's an environment that's based on choice and reinforcement of good choices. And how early is reasonable to expect good behavior from our children? Um, I think as long as we're reinforcing it and we're focusing on and we're giving them attention when they're behaving well and um, we're redirecting them <laughs> when, they're, mm-hmm. when they're misbehaving, mm-hmm. pretty early on, you can start to see it. They'll start to teach themselves. And that's a, um, an important thing for parents to learn is for the child. Um, the child learns best when there's self-instruction. So when they can teach themselves and kind of talk to themselves. So you'll see like an 18-month-old, once they have those um, vocabulary skills, that they can, they'll tell themselves, no, 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 no. Like, mm. I'm not supposed to do that. Or you can teach them like a physical cue where they can put their hands like on their heart when they're not supposed to touch something. And they'll learn that physical cue and they'll do it themselves. So pretty quickly, they start to have this kind of inner compass about them pretty quickly, especially when we're giving them attention because – our children want nothing more than our attention. That's the number one thing that they want. That's the number one reinforcer is parental attention. They just want our love. They just want to connect with us. And so if we give that to them when they're behaving well, it is such a reinforcer yes. for to, to, to continue behaving well. I could not agree more. And I've seen such a shift in the last few days we've had. So my youngest son is a little over two and he's a dumper. He's just in the dumping phase. He just walks around dumping, dumping water, dumping toys, dumping everything. And he has no sense of wanting to clean up, obviously. But wow, when I have pointed out when he's able to like walk through the playroom without dumping, I say, Jackson, you didn't dump anything. And I just calling him out when he's not expecting it, the dumping was like, two times yesterday instead of literally 30 times because I was pointing that out. And then if he did dump, I'd say, nope, we just dump sand or outside. And then I I moved his little hands and we picked it up and we sang clean up, clean up. And it was a game and it was fun. And he cleaned up every time he dumped. 
it was like revolutionary, but it's like so simple. But it's amazing that I can hold my two year old accountable. It's you. It works. It really does, and it does seem miraculous. It really it does. It does seem miraculous, but it's actually science. Like mm. it's lawful. It's mm. lawful. Our brains work that way. Even as adults, they work that way. It's um, predictable. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty amazing that we can. Um, you know, use our homes as little test, you know, test tubes, <laughs> little experiments. We can figure out, figure it out, and kind of manipulate the environment in a way that um, will just foster goodness, will foster obedience, all of that stuff. You're doing a fantastic job. That was great. Oh, thanks. Well, and the other thing is figuring out our kids' currency um, in terms of what they are after. Are they after quality time with you? Do M and M's work for potty training? Do stickers work? Do mm-hmm. I found out that my two-year-old's currency is blowing out candles. He's obsessed with blowing out candles. So every time he would clean up, I'd say, let's clean up. And then you get to blow out the candle. And I'd relight that candle and he'd blow it out again. It cost me zero dollars, no sugar intake. Bingo! I felt like a genius. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. That was so that funny. So, great. so what are some of the other topics? I know that I found out about you while you were talking about sibling rivalry. Was that one of your biggest buzz times of people following along? Because sibling rivalry is a tough one. How much should we allow our kids to work out on their own? When do we intervene? How do you feel about sibling rivalry and how can we use it to our benefit in our home? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about it. I um, I think first we just have to get the right perspective about sibling rivalry. And that's the biggest mindset shift is like, oh, that's what it looks like. So Virtually, sibling rivalry is virtually characteristic of all children. It's in every home, and it's um, the only way to get rid of sibling rivalry is to get rid of the sibling. <laughs> so, so our goal as parents is to get it within a tolerable range. Okay. We can't eliminate it. It just it's at the reason why we can't is because it's so it's such a huge important part of growing up, and. The reason why is because they're learning so much while they argue. And here, and um, there's about five or so things that they learn. So the first thing that they learn is to have correct social behavior. Um, that they understand social cues, the push and pull of what to do and how far to go before it's too far. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, you know, when to share, when to use manners, all of that stuff. The other thing that they learn is how to bond with their sibling. It, I mean, ironic, right? That sibling rivalry is a really important part of the bonding process with siblings, but it really actually is. If we look back at our at our own growing up, I I threw a comb that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but we're great friends now, as long as. We allow them to forgive each other. Mm. And that's another thing that they learn is to forgive. And so denying them that ability to forgive is actually really putting them at a disadvantage. And the last thing that they learn is how to endure. So just kind of dig their heels in and grit their teeth and to move forward and not allow things to, you know, ruffle their feathers for long. A lot of life is just about enduring stuff when it gets hard. So yeah. that's the best the best thing that you can do for your children when you hear your children arguing is to ignore it. 
as long as there isn't a risk of bodily harm or emotional harm or they're going to break something, don't insert yourself into their problems. And because if you do, two things happen. You're most, you'll most likely make it worse because not only will the argument last longer once you insert yourself and it escalates um, because now there's more people in arguing, mm-hmm. you're also reinforcing their arguing by paying attention to it. You're actually adding to the list of things that they will argue about in the future because mm-hmm. you're paying attention to it. And the other thing is that you're denying them opportunities to practice problem solving and to forgive each other and to move on. So you're being a thief of thing of learning opportunities for your kids. Um, another reason why I think that sibling rivalry is really hard for parents is because it's socially uncomfortable mm-hmm. for parents mm-hmm. to allow their children to argue it, argue. And what I want to remind parents is that parenting is not a social matter. It's a spiritual matter and it's an emotional matter. Teach them skills that will last a lifetime. So don't let social pressure of well-behaved children deny your children many, many, many lessons that they'll only learn through choice. Wow. Is there anything though that we need to do as parents before we leave them to their own problem-solving devices? Um, in order to give them those tools and that support so that they can successfully work them out later when they arise. Yeah, I, I, um, I teach about this in my parenting workshops. So many parents will raise their hand and say, ah, I have this problem behavior. You know, I have X behavior and it's driving me nuts. What do I do in that situation? So a lot of times I'll have to back them up and say, um, you have to be proactive. You have to think before the behavior happens. And I say that the correct, correct behavior is like a three sides of a triangle. And if you're missing one side, the, there is no triangle. The triangle collapses. So the three sides to create a correct behavior is modeling the behavior. So being in control of yourself, teaching the behavior, teach them really deliberately and practice through role play. And then the last one is to praise the behavior. When you see it, when you see them behaving correctly, do not leave well enough alone. Mm-hmm. That is the worst parenting advice. Always pay attention to your children when they're behaving well. Mm-hmm. In fact, go out of your way to pay attention to yes. them. If you're washing the dishes and they're playing a game that's nice and they're playing nicely, stop washing the dishes. Go walk into the family room touch them on the shoulder, give them eye contact and say, thank you for playing so nicely. Mm. And then go back and um, and continue washing the dishes. Um, That's how to create the correct behavior. Model it, teach it, and then praise it. And um, if you see a behavior that's happening and it is going to cause bodily harm, of course, stop the behavior. That's a responsible thing to do. Mm -hmm. But you need to think not oh, how naughty my child is, and I need to punish this behavior. But instead, think, what does my child need to learn? Mm. What do I need to teach my child? And how does my how will my child best learn it? Sure. And I love how you said teaching through role play. So the best teaching moments often don't come in those heated arguments, and they're not going to reflect back on, oh, remember when, you know, brother was about to, like, punch me in the face, but mom came in and taught me these words? <laughs> 
But the right. role-playing ahead of time, they can implement those things after. So you're more calm, they're hearing you, but in the thick of it, with emotions, they're not going to hear you. Or even following up afterwards and revisiting the situation. Is that what you mean? Yes, okay. absolutely. Children are ready to learn when they're ready to learn, not when you're ready to teach them. Okay, okay. That is so good. Because so many times we plan out exactly what we need to say, and I can tend to be a little long-winded. So I remember one time I was talking to my son Parker, trying to teach him this thing about bullying. I was kind of going on and on, and I'm like, you know what I mean? And he's like, yeah. well, I stopped, <laughs> I stopped listening after you said, and then it was like two sentences into my monologue. And I'm like, oh. So basically, like, think ahead. Like, what two sentences? Because you probably have two sentences worth of time and ability to, to get it in there. What two sentences do you want to impact them with? Or what yeah. can you do in those two sentences? Monologues, not so helpful. <laughs> not so helpful. No, unfortunately, they're not. Because yeah. uh, we love to monologue as parents. I just we have so to... many good points. <laughs> <laughs> in details about how to be better. <laughs> but um, the best way, actually, for a child to learn is to self-instruct, like I talked mm. about before. So the more you can ask them questions, the more they can teach themselves. So really engage them mm -hmm. in conversation in the problem solving and then once they've decided they have decided how to make it better practice it through role play and don't just do it once do it multiple times yeah and and kind of tweak the situation so that they really have to think about it so by the time they get to a situation they've already made decisions well in advance of how they're going to behave yeah, and you're just showing them it's already within them. Like the knowledge and the ability is already within them. You're bringing it to the surface by asking probing questions and helping them to come to their own solutions. But it's all them. Them implementing your way is not always or usually the most successful. It's about them having those tools already within them. You're just bringing it out of them. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Thank you. Thanks, Ralphie. <laughs> so what are some other big topics that you feel really passionate about for people listening that may feel like they're having certain issues? What are you hearing a lot about these days that parents are struggling with? Um, probably the next biggest one that I hear about the most is just being in control of yourself. Mm -hmm. Being in control of your own behavior. That's something that moms, it's such a big hurdle for them. And um, it's the hardest thing to master. It's also the most impactful change that we can make because it's so preventative. It's so proactive because we set the standard of behavior in our homes for our children. Yeah. And How if, can we expect yeah. them to behave, right? Yeah, if right. we can't behave well ourselves for our own age. How can we expect a two-year-old to behave well when a 30, you know, whatever age I am, I'm 38, 38-year-old <laughs> to behave well? Right. So, and if we're telling our kids to stop yelling at each other and yet we're yelling at them to stop yelling, like how are they ever going to see that it's possible that they can, right. that they can respond calmly? They don't see it as an option. Yes. And I think that a lot of parents, they feel like if they are just quiet and they back away – that they are throwing out their white flag, mm. that it's defeat. Mm. But in my opinion, if you say to your child, the emotions are too high right now, so let's get back together again when we're calm in about an hour. Mm. You're modeling self-control. Mm. 
that is what we want to teach our kids. How do you control your behavior? You, you know, the best way to learn is to see it and to watch your parents. They just are modeling everything for us. We control the environment. We're the comforters. We're the healers. We are the strengtheners. We do all of that. Yeah. It comes down to being willing to walk away and to always be the adult, always be the adult. Parents who get angry at a baby for crying are the ones that are behaving inappropriately, wow. not the baby. And parents who hit their child for spilling milk at the dinner table, they're behaving far less appropriately than the child did. Wow. So yeah. it's just adults abandoning civility, and that's what's sad is that it's really um we justify it we justify being being angry because we are tired or because we're run down and um so always be paying attention to how you feel and to allow yourself to have some space go take a nap Mm -hmm. put a movie on for your kids it's they they will be far better off in the long run than if you're yelling at them because you're tired and you're worn out yeah be really purposeful about the environment that you create in your home. Cultures formed within homes no matter what. Mm, And so to choose what you want your culture to look like on purpose is really important. It's our responsibility as parents to create the environment in our homes that will greatly increase the probability that children will behave well Mm. and that they're happy and that they work hard. We can't change our children. We can only change ourselves. Oh, that is so powerful. And I think it's really critical for us not to get down on ourselves if our instincts and our gut reactions to things are not always the best and appropriate. But we have the power to change any of those things. If if it is not working for us in our family and creating a culture that we are proud of and that is really, like you said, soliciting good behavior, we can change it. So if your gut reaction is to yell or to slap your child or whatever it is, and perhaps it's because you were raised that way. Those things are ingrained deeply within us. And so it's not to be said that those are things that are easy to eliminate, but they're possible to change. And there's lots of other alternatives to those types of behavior that will yield much better behavior out of your children. Yes, long term. Yes, long term. Yes. Always need to think long term. You know, yelling, it it works. Mm -hmm. It scares them. In the short term, it works. Our children will behave well out of fear. But it only works in the short term, and it has long-term negative impact. That is why teenagers get such a bad rap, is because by the time they get to be about 14 years old, they they start to counter course. They Mm. start to yell back. Mm. They start to say, I don't want to, and you can't make me anymore. Mm. So um, we want to invest in the relationship with our children as much as we can. It's so important to um, be a safe place, to create a safe environment in our home, to create a place where they want to be. There is a stronger thing, stronger thing than curfews hmm. that will make a child want to be at home, and that is because it's a safe and positive environment. I love that. And Brene Brown also says that shame also works. But it's but again, it's that long-term thing. But shame is the most awful way to get a child or anybody else for that matter to do something. You know, fear and shame drag your child and their potential and their confidence down, down, down. And it's hard to come and rise back out of that. 
And so just being really mindful of what you're doing and how that's contributing to their long-term vision of themselves and their end game behavior. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's huge. So what, I'm really curious to know, what has been your biggest parenting challenge? To me, you just seem like you're good at everything and this just comes really easy to you. (laughs) But what has been personally the hardest thing for you to address in yourself and your parenting? Being in control of myself. Okay, interesting. (laughs) It it is. It is the hardest thing. I think for me, it felt fake for a really long time when I started practicing being positive and modeling happiness, it felt fake. But what I want to send a message to parents um, is that the message I want to send is that um, that 10% of who you are is still you. Mm. It's still you. You put your best foot forward in front of adults all the time. Mm. So why not with our children? to put our best foot forward and that um, just by me being happy and being silly, that makes such a huge impact on my kids. They want to be happy. They want to be silly. Oh, they just have so much joy within them and they're just ready. They're ready to be happy. They just need to get going in that direction. We need a, a parenting secret is called behavioral momentum and we can create behavioral momentum going in the direction we want it to go and we can keep it going in that way and um i love uh the thought that if we behave away pretty soon we will be that way even if we're just kind of faking you know we're Mm -hmm. trying um to become that we will become it eventually and so um it's taken a while for me and it still looks like work. It's mm-hmm. always a choice for me every day. And I want it also that to give that perspective to the listener that it's don't be so hard on yourself. Mm. Being a positive and loving parent, it always looks like work. It always looks like self-control. Mm. It always looks like choice. Um, I will say that loving children has, has been easy for me, being drawn to them and wanting to be with them and make them happy. That's a piece of cake. I've always wanted that. I can't get enough of kids, but learning how to raise a child to be kind and to be independent and confident, that's something that I'm continually working on every day. Mm. That's really powerful. And for parents that feel like they see other moms doing this consistently really well and never messing up, it's so nice to know that even though you probably are doing it really well a lot of days, it's because you're trying hard at it. It's because you're not giving up on it. Um, It's not just because that's just your normal and that's just it comes so naturally and and even if it comes naturally there's still that effort it's like a woman who has a rock and bod but they work really hard at it why be jealous of that or feel like you could never have that if you worked out like that you could have that too and if you work on these parenting principles and techniques and loving your kids and trying to see it from their perspective you can have that happiness and joy for motherhood too yes i love that yeah. I love that simile with the rocking body. It's so true. <laughs> I mean, we just look, we're like, ah. Oh. And, and that's what I call, I call that being an imposter to yourself. Yes. You jump in, you take that away. You're imposing on your joy. Yes, you are. You take it away from yourself. And instead of saying, oh my goodness, look at how far I've come. You just look about how far you still have to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is take, that's 
that's being an imposter. Yes. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do it to your kids either. No, Just totally. Look at how far they've already come. Absolutely, absolutely. And going back to the momentum idea, momentum can shift in a second. So if you're rushing out the door in the morning and everybody's kind of yelling at each other to get their shoes and hurry, 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 that feeling, that doesn't feel good. But this morning, we left five minutes earlier so we could be a little more leisurely and relaxed. Everyone could just get in the car on time. And then we did accents on the way to school and we were cracking each other up. And usually I'm like listening to a podcast or they're watching a show or, and we kind of are detached. But ever since the tragedy in Las Vegas happened and it made me sad to send my kids off to school, just feeling like life is so fragile and just hoping and praying that we get another day. I want each interaction with my kid to leave them feeling like they're loved and I enjoy them. Do you feel like you try and create that same sentiment with each interaction? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Parents have a magical way of bottling up joy mm. for their kids. Yes. They can do that, and they can do it in a second. Yes. It's, it, we're so, so powerful. If my kids wake up grumpy and moaning and, you know, which honestly is more um, often than not, um, if I just start whistling – you know, or I start singing a song or I do some kind of embarrassing dance in the kitchen <laughs> or something, boom, Right. the momentum has changed. And all of a sudden we're laughing. Right. Or if I take a second to hug a child a little extra longer, give them a few extra kisses and say, you're such a great kid. I'm so lucky to be your mommy. Mm. Boom, the momentum has changed. Yes. It just is as simple as that. It's as easy as that. Just model being happy, Mm. model seeing the good, and saying something about it. I love it. That is so powerful and so practical. If you could tell a parent that's listening one thing they could change or do today that could have the power to impact their whole home, what would you say? Oh, such a good question. Mm, I'd say to smile. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Parents who smile at their children and they laugh and they play with their children, they're far less likely to yell, to hit, to belittle. The, the more a parent interacts positively with their child, the more they're reinforcing behaviors that they want to see. Mm-hmm. Helplessness, ki- um, helpfulness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> helpfulness, kindness, patience, generosity. We're just encouraging all those things because the thing children want more than anything in the whole world is our attention. Mm. It's it's so, so effective. Having positive interactions with your child often, yeah, that is the best way to decrease the frequency of undesirable behavior. So all those things that make us crazy, if we just look for the good and we're happy and we smile, over 80% of those things that bug us will go away without any form of discipline. That's why it's so important to learn how to stay in control of yourself and to look for the good. Hmm. You have me smiling, Ralphie. That is good for my soul. That is such... And we even got off to a good start today, but I'm even excited to see my kids and just welcome them with open arms, with a big hug, with a big smile, and know that that simple act can make a huge difference. Oh, it really can. They're just 
so full of that already. Yeah. They just come that way. They right. want to be silly. They want to have fun. We just take life way, way too seriously. Mm. We need to slow down and be like them, to be more like them. Yeah. I love that. Well, where can people find you online? They're going to want to follow along because you have so much goodness to share. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm on Instagram. I'm the author of Simply On Purpose on Instagram, and that's where I teach. I teach multiple times a week, and we talk, and and there's a fantastic community there where learning moms go, and we just um, hash out ideas and help each other out. I love that. I know. And even if it's not something that I'm currently like dealing with in my own season, it will always come up eventually or it's happened in the past. And so I can relate to every single one of the topics that you cover. Um, And I'm just so on the same page with you about what we're after in terms of helping our kids feel loved and experience joy in life and treasuring them as little special beings in our family and realizing that our own behavior has such an impact. And if I can change me, it can impact them. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your heart and all that you know with all of us. It is really making a difference. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so very welcome. Well, I always ask my guests one final question and it's this, what would you tell your pre-motherhood self? I would tell myself to not sweat the little things. Mm to let them let them go and to focus on the things that really matter you know messy bedrooms whining tattling grumpiness those are all little things what a great service to my children it would have been if I could have just convinced my younger self to just not sweat them Mm. to pay attention to them when they're behaving well to smile at them and to say thank you and that if I was going to sweat any of the little things, that they should be my little things Mm. that I should focus on changing myself. I love that. I think what I love so much about you, Ralphie, is that I see you doing the things that you're telling us we can do too. I feel like I can do what you are saying. I think sometimes parenting experts, it's it's always easy to give advice to another person's children, right? Or how they should be dealing with the bad behavior and things like that. But I, you make us feel like we can do it. I believe I can. I want to be a better mom. And just because you're a great mom, it doesn't mean that I'm not, right? And so thank yes. you for empowering all of us. Oh, yes. You're yes. so awesome. That's my whole purpose. Yay. Go, Simply on purpose. Your kids. Yes, I love it. Well, Ralphie, thank you so much for sharing your journey, your helpful tips. You are truly an extraordinary mom and truly a champion and light in the motherhood community. So thank you so much for all that you are doing. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Have a great, great day. Thank you. You too. Isn't Ralphie incredible? She is so wise and I learned so much from her. Um, It is so good to have people in your life and voices in your head that really are on the same page in terms of what they're after in motherhood and the way that they want to instruct their children. She is so, so wise. So definitely follow her on Instagram. If you don't follow me already, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. You can find all the links and pictures of Ralphie and her family and things over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com as well. If you're new around here, hey, welcome. Dip back into the archives. You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, any of the podcast apps as well as over on our website as well. And I hope that you'll find some that just resonate with you and inspire you. I hope that you have some tangible takeaways today that can really enhance 
your motherhood and at least the way you think about motherhood and your ability to be a successful thriving mom. That's what we're all after. So thanks Ralphie for being on the show today. On Friday, we have a great episode coming up. I'm talking with children's author Maria Dismondi, who wrote books about teaching our kids values. I think she's written nine books now covering everything from courage to bravery to kindness to diversity. These books are really applicable to everyday situations that our kids face. They're beautifully illustrated, and she's going to talk about the importance of teaching our kids these really important character traits and values as they go out in the world and seek to impact other people. So tune in on Friday for that. Thank you. Thank you for being here today, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.